Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wrestle me, Pete. Wrestle me, Mark. Here we go. Oh, we've got to the end of a big old problematic... Oh. Yeah, this is... this is. Uh, do you know what? I think there's going to be a certain amount of people who are like... There'll be some people who've not heard this story, but for some people, they've just heard about this match so much. No mm. match has been talked about no. more than the match we're about to talk about, which headlined the 1997 Survivor Series. Mm. Gang rules. Uh, <laughs> this this is, is known as the Montreal Screwjob, mm. and this is the match between Bret Hart, it was his last match in the WWF uh, after a 14-year career, and Shawn Michaels. Yes, and um, it, it kind of takes two parts for me, because um, the match is kind of secondary, because I know the finish. The match, yeah, I mean, the match is just a match, isn't it, really? I suppose, it is. Until it, the end. It's a bad-tempered match. Mm. I mean, that, that's, that's really... Watching this, again, there used to be a thing in wrestling where I think a lot of the fans would say they'd heard that it was predetermined. Yep. You'd heard stories about, we saw the bad guy and the good guy together. Mm. Um, that Doug and Sheik sort of thing. Yeah. The point when you got those, you know, rule breaker and a fan favourite together and it would be reported in all the papers because yeah. everyone's As like, if we are, ah, got ah. you. Yeah. But people, even though they, they knew that wrestling couldn't be a legitimate sport, they always, I think, felt that the main events were beyond reproach. Right. So With legitimate might, beef in them. Yeah. And, right. and that you'd say, well, you know, it might be that the people on the undercard are, you know, part of a sort of show and some of them are funny. But the main event is serious and mm. that's real. And what comes across in this is that absolutely 100%. Mm. You can see why these two guys are main eventers because they do something entirely different from everybody else. In the whole of this pay-per-view, everyone has been super aggressive. Mm. There's an aggressive crowd. The wrestlers are aggressive. And I think this is also because they're on the back foot slightly. They're losing ratings to WCW. WCW is becoming the number one wrestling organisation in the world. Yeah. The WWF is number two. They're beginning to have problems with money. And part of that is that Bret Hart, he's shown up that there's a problem with the money. He's been there 14 years and WCW had made an offer to him to say, come with us. I think it was for, oh, I forget the figure. You it was know, two and a half million a year. Two and a half million a year yeah, for yeah. a three-year period. Yeah. And Vince McMahon had said to him, I want you to stay here. I will give you a 20-year contract. And over the course of that contract, it will be something like $9 million. So mm. the money's not as good, but you've got tenure and you've got security. Yeah. And this is your home. And Bret Hart, after a long night of the soul, which is shown very clearly in the documentary Wrestling With Shadows, he decided to take the WWF offer. And 
what happened very quickly afterwards is Vincent Mann said, I can't pay you. Various reasons for that. It could be that he felt that Bret Hart's star was waning. It could be that he didn't want to commit to that sort of offer because there was other places he could put that money. Yep. There was talk of him making the WWE a publicly tradable company. They needed to reduce all of their long-term contracts. That can affect the ability to go public, um, as in it's a thing that is hanging over a financial responsibility that you can do without. So there are all various reasons. And what happens is that Bret Hart ends up being told Vince McMahon isn't going to pay him. And Vince McMahon says to him, we just don't have the money. So all the people who are working in the WWF, they're suddenly going, shit, if Bret Hart, who even now is in the main event, if they can say to him, we, we can't have you, mm. what chance have I got? I'm further down the rung. So everyone is working as hard as they can. And it does, there's a sense of it that a lot of them are fighting to keep their jobs. And that literal thing in there, they're, they're just giving it their all. Yeah. And yet, when it comes to the main event, those two guys are working on a level that is so far beyond everyone else. There seems legitimate hatred, mm. which there was. Yeah. And everything they do in that match means something. They are just wailing into each other. The weirdest thing is they're wailing into each other, they dislike each other, but it's not like they're, they're coming out bloody and bruised, missing teeth. and yeah. They're just unbelievable pros, and they go into each other like two cars crashing into each other. It's such a sort of vicious match. It's really, really good. Mm. There's a point where they go into the crowd and, I mean, people are just like punching Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart is punching him. I mean, it's just, it looks like it's all going over the boil. Yeah. And they've got loads of referees there and they've got Vince and Sergeant Slaughter and Pat Patterson down there and Gerald Briscoe and they are just sort of pulling them apart and then they'll hit again and, you know, Pat Patterson will get punched and he'll yeah. fall on the floor. and It's really, really spiky. Yeah. And it, and it just seems strange that for, you know, Survivor Series, a second, you know, a B-grade pay-per-view. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of, like, management on, yeah. in the ring, I mean, like, outside the ring. There has never, ever been a mm-hmm. match where you're, you've got Vince McMahon and Sergeant Slaughter and Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson around the ring. Yeah. There's no... I think they'd been building up on TV the idea that Vince was the owner and they were trying to keep these two apart and they had mm. legitimate beef. Right. And so this was all part of the big fight feel. But, of course, it's not just because of that. Mm. So as the match goes on, um, Brett uh, and, and Sean are fighting and fighting and fighting. And Brett has been told the end of this match. And he's basically said to Vince McMahon, look, I'm going to WCW in December. This will be sort of the last few weeks of my career. I'm happy to lose the belt to anyone you want, but I will not lose it to Shawn Michaels. Mm. He'd had some personal fight with Shawn Michaels before this. Shawn Michaels had said, I I won't work with you. I just won't work with you. So he was like, well, if he's not going to work with me, I'm not going to lose this belt to him. When the Survivor Series turns out to be from Montreal... Bret Hart says, I, my character, he goes through this a lot in Wrestling With Shadows, my character will not lose to Shawn Michaels in Montreal. He says, yeah. I'll do anything else. The next night, I'll, I'll go out and lose it on Raw. He, said, he, he, I talks, don't he talks about putting a gun to everything that he's, you know. Yeah, he, he felt he was in front of his crowd. He wanted to go out. He'd given this company a lot of his life mm. at a high level. Yeah. He'd made a lot of sacrifices and he wanted to go out nicely. Um I think he always felt they weren't going to let him do that. But he felt he was a big enough star that possibly they could manipulate it that way. So he thinks what's going to happen is that they, this match is going to end in a disqualification when the Heart Foundation and Degeneration X come into the ring and there's a big 
brawl and it will end with a no contest and over the next couple of days he's going to lose. What he doesn't know is that four days before this match, Vince McMahon has gathered everyone around him to say, we need to do something. Right. That would be... Do we have an ad there? Because an ad... <laughs> if there's an ad after this bit, I mean, that was that was like a proper... That was a podcast mastery. Ad. Good. Leave this bit in as well, though, because I don't, I don't want people to ignore the fact that that was technically very good. Yeah, and that you realised that and you threw it to an ad break. Yeah. Here, Let's take an ad break. Here, here is the ad. I hope you enjoyed the ad. If it wasn't an ad... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that, put an ad here. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just have ads till, till the end of the show. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. So... Four months, uh, four months, four days. God, I've been so pro with the ads and then I can't even speak. <laughs> so four days before the Survivor Series, mm. Vince McMahon is uh, having a meeting with some of his closest uh, colleagues. Yeah. And Vince McMahon had become very, very worried that Bret Hart would turn up on WCW TV and he'd have the WWF title still. They okay. wanted to get it off. So they needed to go from you. Yeah. He was also worried that Eric Bischoff, who was the owner of WCW, would announce on Nitro that they had signed Bret Hart, who was the WWF champion. Yeah. So he, he was just... I mean, were, that's a political no-no, isn't it? That's a, that would it be a really nightmare is. thing. Now, this has happened before. So back in 96, uh, the WWF women's champion, Alundra Blaze, mm. uh, they, they hadn't really done anything with her. It's almost like they'd forgotten she was there. Mm. She fell out of contract, and she went back to WCW, and she still had with her the WWF women's belt. And on television... Does that become your property? Are you allowed to wave (laughs) it around on someone else's dollar? What's kind of funny is... Well, what she does is she, against her better judgment, she wasn't over keen to do it. Mm. She put it in a bin. That's what I think of the WWF Women's Championship. Now, then the lawsuits start, because they go, that's actually our intellectual property, Mm. showing that belt on TV. Now, the only reason they say that's our intellectual property is because back in 1991, Ric Flair had turned up on WWF television... With the WCW belt. Hey. He hadn't been paid the deposit to give it back, and he turned up with that. And so they had sued WWF saying, that is our trademark. Right. And Flair had been paid his money and had to return it. So <laughs> it's a funny tit-for-tat thing. So McMahon is very, very frightened that Bret Hart is going to be the WWF champion and WCW will have poached him mm. and he'll still be the champion and yeah. he might still have the belt. So he begins to say, I need to get the belt off him Mm. one way or another. Now, Mm. he refuses to lose to Shawn Michaels. So they begin saying, who who would you lose to? And he says, anyone. Yeah, anyone, just not Shawn Michaels. Well, they want Shawn Michaels to have the belt. That's the culmination of the storyline. They begin talking about what they can do. Now, by this time, it's been leaked to the fans that Bret Hart has signed with WCW. So this, again, is forcing Vince's hand. He doesn't want Bret to just disappear with that belt. So, and I don't mean that physically, I just mean as in, if Bret Bret basically says... We've got the biggest star. Yeah, exactly. And and you've still got him on your TV, and they're like, we've already got him, Mm. don't worry about this. So Vince got together the people who at the time were closest to him. Uh, a number of the sort of officials, sort of his inner circle, mm-hmm. and they met at his his house, and they were talking about what they were doing. And Jim Cornette, who is a long-term manager, most closely associated with the NWA, he was working in the, the booking at this time. And he said, well, you know, oh, it, I mean, you know, it's almost like we've got to bloody forcibly take the belt off him, isn't it? And he said to Vince McMahon, after all, it's your fucking belt. 
Mm. And Vince began sort of going, it was just a sort of offhand suggestion that Cornette had made, but Vince began sort of thinking, maybe that's the only way this is going to work. So Jim Cornette had also said, well, why don't we get Ken Shamrock, the world's hardest man, why don't we get him to double-cross Bret Hart and then take the belt? And what Vince McMahon seemed to hear in that bit was the words (laughs) double-cross. And he had something where he was like, they'd unwittingly introduced the idea that they would forcibly take the belt away in a double cross. It's Mm. just, it was in the air. So they, later in the day, Vince McMahon talks to Shawn Michaels and Triple H, and they say that Hart's still refusing to lose to to, to Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series. And Hunter, Hurst Helmsley, said, well, if Hart doesn't want to do business, then, you know, maybe we should do business for him. Mm. And it seemed like that, that moment it all solidified. And then they decided that that was what they were going to do. Mm. Um, now, a couple of days, I think November the 8th, there's a meeting at a hotel where Vince McMahon brings together Pat Patterson and Shawn Michaels, and then they plan how it's going to transpire. And they decide it's going to be this bit where when Michaels puts on the sharpshooter, they need the referee to ring the bell as if Hart has submitted. Yeah. So nobody really knows who was involved in the screw job. I think Pat Patterson has said he didn't know about it because he was a good friend of Bret Hart's. People have said Gerald Briscoe and Sergeant Slaughter are there. There's also been uh, Jim Ross, for example, says he wasn't there, but Bret Hart's family believe that he was. So there's all this mystery around it. Some of the things that Jim Ross says during commentary, right at the end, suggest he either realised immediately what had happened or he'd been in on it for a while and holding it back. The one person who didn't seem to be in on it was Jerry Lawler. Right. And they didn't want Lawler, I think, doing jokes and hints in the way that he was sort of like... Yeah, he was too, yeah. yeah. They just wanted it to just be, you know, untouched. Yeah. But they also needed not many people to know because they wanted people to be able to say, oh, I didn't know anything about it. Mm. And they go, actually, loads of people didn't know about it. Okay, it's not a conspiracy. So it's a really strange... It's just, I mean, who knows? All of the accounts are slightly different. Yeah. So Earl Hebner, the referee, is apparently told the night of Survivor Series that he's got to do this. Now, he says, I I refuse to do it, and that Gerald Briscoe said to him, you'll lose your job if you don't. Because this whole, uh, the whole uh, device of getting him getting the title off him, it very much involves the referee. And it's yeah. the referee's double-crossing him anyways. It is, it is. Now, one of the things that Bret Hart says he thought it, there wasn't going to be a double-cross mm. was that he was such good friends with Earl Hebner. Yeah. And he said Earl Hebner swore on the life of his own children that, that he wasn't going to screw him over. Mm. And, and so what you've got, though, is the very fact that Bret Hart is walking into this <laughs> thinking, thinking that he's going to get am screwed I going to get yeah. screwed over? Sc- you know, screwing over does not happen very often. Yeah. This is, this is, it's too complex. Yeah. There are loads of things that could have gone wrong. So when Shawn Michaels puts on the sharpshooter, basically, if Bret Hart had managed, had noticed what was going on, yeah. if he'd have thought, hang on, what's happening here? Yeah. He could have easily got out and just beaten Shawn Michaels to a pulp. Mm. And if he'd have done that, then you've lost Bret Hart, mm. he's just beaten up your number one guy, mm. and he's the hottest person in wrestling. Yeah. You know, what a disaster. They would have tried to do something else, they would have run in the ring, anything. But it could have been a, a real... These these things are so difficult yeah. to work out. I mean, if you put someone in a sharpshooter, surely, if you just do it physically, surely you could just keep it in, keep keep them in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, until... but you can see on this, when Shawn Michaels puts it on, as soon as... Uh, the referee's been knocked down. Mm. So Bret Hart is in the sharpshooter thinking, well, the referee's been knocked down. But the ref gets back up. Yes. And Bret Hart said, I didn't see him. If you watch the video, he might have done. But I suppose you're not really paying attention to that mm. anyway. You're just like, he's doing something. And as soon as the bell rings, Bret Hart is out of that and he's grabbed Shawn Michaels' foot. Mm. And there's just that moment where, again, if he'd have thought it through, I suppose he's thinking, Shawn Michaels immediately says to him, I don't know what's going on. Mm. I don't know what this is about. He later says that to him in the dressing room. Yeah. He did. He was lying. Yeah. But he's got that foot. And in that moment, if he'd have known Shawn Michaels was in it, you could have just gone, I'm going to twist your foot off. <laughs> You're going to be out for a year. You're done. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, yeah, man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. As I am Brokulus from all the street tickets and all the rubber rooms across these weak planets. The the interesting thing about this is, you know, Brett talks to Vader and the British Bulldog saying, I think there's something going on. Mm. And this might have just been the paranoid nature of the company at the time. But he begins to, Vader says to him, you've got to just do a couple of things. He says, this has happened to me in Japan. Yeah. He says, don't let yourself get into a pinning position. Mm. Don't. Uh, let yourself have a submission put on like that. And he's like, well, actually, I've got this bit that we're doing, but it'll be fine. And if he... Listen to Vader. <laughs> Listen to Vader. Listen to Vader. Vader has got a degree in business. He's a licensed <laughs> real estate broker. <laughs> and he, and at the time of the filming of Wrestling With Shadows, he's working on a 100-square-foot shopping centre. He is. I wonder <laughs> what happened to that. I I, do you know what? I've got a vague memory that didn't work out. <laughs> what? That, that, he's not a, that he's not a shopping centre impresario? <laughs> King of shopping centres. No. Um, so <laughs> the, the, Instead of appearing at them. The thing that's really interesting about this is this has actually <clears throat> happened before. Mm, right. And this happened in 1985 when Wendy Richter, 
who we saw at WrestleMania 1, who was the women's champion, who was all part of the rock and wrestling connection with Cindy Lauper. Right, yes. And in 1985, so six months after WrestleMania, she's the women's champion still, and she begins to say to Vince McMahon, I am hugely popular. Mm. She says, I'm in this Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon. There's loads of my merchandises being sold. You know, uh, I'm on albums and things. Mm. And she said, I want to be paid properly. And the relationship she had with the company soured incredibly quickly. And she was such a key part of that era that I think she thought they, they can't you know, yeah. do anything to me, they'll give in. Mm. And apparently she refused to sign a contract extension saying, I want to be paid fairly. And what they did was they booked her in a match with the Spider Lady. The Spider Lady? The Spider Lady. <laughs> so Wendy Richter came in lady. as the champion mm. and the Spider Lady took her on. And... Uh, oh, I know this. It's someone in a mask. Me, young. It's Moolah. Moolah, fabulous now, Moolah. Wendy Richter had, had wrestled Moolah a lot. Yeah. She would have known it was Moolah. Yeah. But she probably thought, uh, maybe, no, maybe we're something. one down. I don't yeah. know. I don't quite know what's going on here. Mm. But what happens is, Moolah gives her a small package. And they count... That's a, a type of pin. Oh, right, okay. And they count... <laughs> Sounds a bit druggy. Not, yeah, I know. She gives her the drugs and then the, the police arrest <laughs> in the ring. Um, so Wendy Richter is 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 in a pinning position in a small package. And the mm. referee counts one, two, Wendy Richter kicks out, and the referee goes three. Right, okay. And Clearly she's kicked out, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the penny suddenly drops for her mm. when Moolah grabs the belt and runs, and Wendy Richter is running round the ring, unsure what to do next. It's like her, her brain has been scrambled. Yeah. She can't work out what's gone on, and she suddenly realises, oh, fuck, it's like a mafia hit. They have done me. Yeah. They have done me. And you see her just sort of taking it in and just, she can't react to it. And you see exactly the same thing with Bret Hart when it happens. Mm. He knows the second the bell goes, he goes, they fucking did me. And then he just, he grabs onto Michael's his leg, he sits there, he gets up, he looks at Vince McMahon, he does the single greatest flob in history. The most accurate bit of spitting you will ever see in your life. I love it because it, the, the one thing that you can do that I think is like, there's no way that Vince McMahon can, if he'd have punched him and Vince McMahon had gone down on the floor, mm. you know, that's one thing. But to spit right in his eye and Vince McMahon just goes, and he's, <laughs> and he's genuinely upset and, and disgusted. And it's just, you don't, you look like a prick when that happens to you. <laughs> What you see on Wrestling With Shadows is, is basically the, the pay-per-view then goes straight off air. Shawn Michaels runs straight to the back and G uh, Jim Ross, he says something, again, that seems a little bit weird where he sort of goes, well, this is a massive controversy. And, mm. oh, Well, that's you not got, what you saw. Like, yeah, you know. You got on that quickly, innit? Mm. You know? And Michaels runs away. What you see in Wrestling With Shadows is the film crew who were there making a documentary about Bret Hart just carried on filming. And you see Bret Hart uh, he begins smashing up the tables, he begins smashing up the monitors, mm. but his heart's not in it. You can see him just going, this is, I'm fucked, I can't hurt them enough, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I'm out here, and I'm absolutely cast adrift, mm. and he looks just like the Wendy Richter did, where you just go, this company's against me. I'm standing in their ring, and that's their dressing room, mm. and they're against me. I, you know, it's so heartbreaking to see it happen. He began signalling WCW with his hands, by which time they were already off air. They went off air four minutes early. Right, okay. Now, I don't know much about how you put on pay-per-views, mm. but I don't know how when your boss is in the like ringside bit wiping flob off his eye, I don't know how 
the whole machine gears to end that pay-per-view four minutes early mm. with the credit coming on the end. Yeah. There's a big conspiracy going on. Mm. A lot of people were clearly in on it. I think we said this in an early episode, but uh, X-Pac, the wrestler, he said, I think it was... Uh, he said. He said. He actually lent to it being that everyone was involved. That Bret Hart was aware of it beforehand as well. Yeah. Partly because he said, "I don't see how Bret Hart would have fallen for this." It seemed too obvious. Um, but he also said that he thinks there were so many people involved in this, but they were just compartmentalized, and that very few of the people who were involved in it realized that other people were involved in it as yeah. well. So they all got their suspicions. But everyone, I mean, people change their their stance on it. So some books will say, you know, Earl Hebner will say, I didn't find out about it until the match started, and then it will be the day of, and then... I mean, it's all mm. just a mess. And part of that, I think, is really to keep this subterfuge going and and again i sort of came to the studio um a little while ago now sort of saying i'm i was convinced that it was a all a lot of um nonsense mm. and it was just uh it was they were playing the long the long game and you know i made the point that um the wwe is not known for their long game no. kind of uh, planning um they they i think they knew that a, a new era was coming um i'm still I'm still kind of got doubts in my mind just watching that documentary this afternoon and watching Wrestling with Shadows and just seeing what happened afterwards and the reaction of maybe it was just shell shock maybe yeah. it was just the fact that they were just so Do shocked you know the one thing I find really really convincing about that is mm. the bit where Bret Hart's wife Julie is talking to Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Do you, I don't think she's angry enough, though. She I don't might not be, but then, but then this is chaos. No one quite knows what's going on. Mm. And it's his reaction, because he comes across so badly, where mm. she's going, you all knew about this, you all knew about this. That's uh, my Canadian it's accent. Canadian accent. And Hunter just goes, well, I, didn't know, I didn't know anything about it, actually. <laughs> and she goes, you, you, you're sitting there and you're lying. You're lying. And he sort of goes, no, I'm actually not because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> and she keeps on going at him. And every time he speaks, he just sounds like a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> and there's a part of me that if you knew and you were acting it, you would go, seriously, honest to God, I had nothing to do with this. And actually he's going, yeah, but I didn't know anything. So, I mean, everything seems um, you know, it's really unfair. <laughs> and he just sounds like such a dildo. But I, was, I can't uh, help but yeah, feel it's real. But it's just the, the level of access and the fact that uh, he's getting um, he's mic'd up when they're having the discussion about what's going to be happening and stuff. Bearing in mind that I'm fairly certain that that it's in within within Vince's. Um, you know, Vince doesn't want everyone to know that you know, or, or the WWE to be seen to be actively promoting um, wrestling being fake when yeah. they are discussing what's going to happen in the match. Effectively, yeah. Unless they have turned a corner and they do want to do the reality TV sort of thing, they, but they it just do seems say, a bit too... They do say in the uh, in Wrestling with Shadows that when Bret mm. Hart goes in for the conversation he has with Pat Patterson about the mm. ending, where they say and then everyone runs in and uh, you know the whole thing is a big schmoz and yeah. smooth schmooz schmoz. Yeah. schmoz. Um, they say Bret is wearing a wire. Now, oh, so, right, okay. I, I think he left his mic on because I do think it was a very paranoid time and mm. everyone was going. Am I going to be fucked over? Am I going to be... And mm. everyone was just mad. Everyone had gone mad for this period. Oh, well, I mean, if he's... I mean, but you, if, he's you wouldn't just, come if he just up walked with this, in and it's his mic, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't know, like... You wouldn't come up with this idea of going, we have to screw someone over, unless everyone's gone mad. Because mm. you just say, okay, I appreciate that. You're going to lose it tomorrow to Ken Shamrock, a guy who you like and get on with, and Ken will, will do this, and uh, then he can lose to Sean. And we won't do it in Canada, and we'll have a thing where you can go out like a hero. I'd, and instead they go, let's... Let's fucking stab him in the heart in and his just, own backyard. But just like, the, just the level of access, straight after a big steroid trial, 
Mm. If you're given a documentary filmmaker the right to sort of just do what he fucking wants to a certain degree, yep. he's probably going to say stuff that, you know, you don't want to be out... I, I, I entirely agree. But then they go on to do it again with Beyond the Mat. Mm. And Beyond the Mat isn't a thing where they're manipulating. They actually come across quite badly in some parts of Beyond the Mat. Mm. Vince McMahon um, trying to get a guy to vomit in a bin as a character called, called Puke. And they make him look like a mad carny as he's sitting there yeah. going, Puke! Puke! Um, you've got Mick Foley and the ultraviolence and mm. his, his children being upset. So it's not a, it's not a, a, a really warm portrayal of the WWF, WWE. But why they did it, I don't know. Mm. But they did do it again. And yeah. that, that, again, I think we talked about this in an earlier episode, but some of the footage from Wrestling With Shadows, they did actually try to suppress and the mm. filmmaker had to get a lawsuit to force them to do the things that they'd agreed to, which was allow him to use their footage and the uh, licenses of the um, names and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, personas. Yeah, yeah, so IP, yeah. it did go to court. Mm. And again, you, those things where it goes to court, you don't do that if it's an angle, it's, no matter yeah. how good that angle is. Because it's literally perjury in, in many cases. It really is, with, yeah. With um, what I liked about um, uh, the documentary um, in that situation, it, it, it did come out a year after all of this anyway. Yeah. So I guess, all, so I guess any kind of, um, kind of storyline that they could have used, I mean, you're relying on a filmmaker to release a film effectively. And by the time it happened, it was kind of the, the ground was cold, really. And, well, and by the time, Vince McMahon is the biggest villain in wrestling, yeah. this was nothing but good for that character. Yeah. Because it went, look, in real life, he's also as evil. Yeah. You know? What, what's interesting as well is you can see some other things that happen that do make it, Lend, lend itself towards being real. You have uh, Mick Foley. Mm. Uh, he sees what happens and he resigns. Right. And he, uh, I don't think he goes to Raw the next day. Sonny did the same. And they, basically Bret Hart had said, don't lo- anyone lose their jobs over this. Mm. You don't have to. So they came back. But Jim the Anvil Neidhart and the British Bulldog both left. And now, obviously, the other his... thing about the Bulldog mm. is the Bulldog had a long contract and he had to buy himself out of his contract he paid six figures and he had to buy himself out of that contract so he could go to wcw the only person they wouldn't let out of their contract was owen hart and there's something about that again that seems so mean Mm. that it can only be real Mm. that they refused to let him out and he was stuck there i mean Jesus Christ, imagine how different things had been if Owen hadn't had that long contract. If he'd have bought his way out, yeah. he wouldn't have died two years later doing a stunt on a pay-per-view in the WWF that he really shouldn't have been doing anyway. Was his gimmick sort of... Was his gimmick the whole um, Blue Blazer thing? Was that um, punishment almost of being part of his kind of uh, setup? Uh, there was, there the was certainly a thing of they he was getting stale and they wanted to do this mm. sort of funny, hokey act. So, but 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 then again, I think... It's impossible to think that he wasn't sort of punished mm. because I think he must, he wouldn't want to stay at the WWF. It must have been really awkward and mm. really difficult. You're there under, under duress. You've also got the thing of the Bulldogs bought his way out of his contract. Why didn't you? Yeah. You know, they have sort of family issues there, you know. It's, it's, but you also get Ken Shamrock is very close to quitting. And at this point, you know, he, they were pushing him to the moon. You know, he was a good friend of Bret Hart's, but mm. everything sort of settled down. Brian Crush Adams as well, so Crush, he left in the aftermath. He says it was because of the way they treated Bret Hart. <laughs> I am not 100% sure if that's true. <laughs> but the person who also walks out is Rick Rude. Oh, okay. So Rick Rude has been working in a bodyguard role yes. for DX. Mm. Big part of it. And before the match... As I said before, great in the suit. 
yeah. great in the suit. Before the match, he'd said to Bret Hart, there's something going on, he said. We should all be waiting here to do a run-in, and yet no one's here. Mm. So what, just, watch, just watch yourself. And Rick Rude was disgusted by what had happened. And he ended up, he, they had two weeks of Raw recorded, mm. um, and he appeared on those. But I think on the second one, he'd already jumped to WCW. So while he was on WWE TV, you could flick over and he was on WCW Live. And he'd uh, <laughs> shaved his beard, so he just had his moustache, so you could tell that that was old on television and this was new. So <laughs> there was, you know, uh, there were certainly people who left. The Undertaker is supposed to have been the guy who basically knocked on Vince McMahon's door and said, you need to come out. Mm. and you need to explain what you've done. Yeah. And they took everyone to the locker room. And Vince McMahon had said to the locker room, you know, Bret Hart wouldn't do the right thing. He is endangering this business, mm-hmm. and he's endangering all of your jobs. Yeah. And so... he prob- I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I guess, he probably was. You know what I mean? You can't have it all your own way, and but it seems particularly egregious doing it in front of um, it, the Canadians. Do, do you the know, Canadians. It, was, it was such a bad culmination mm. of things the the place and the person and the were timing, both wrong yeah. but the thing is that was also if you're in wrestling the the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart rivalry is so toxic mm. that's what people want to see yeah. and do you know what if you can do it in Montreal in front of a rabid crowd you get the biggest reaction mm. when Shawn Michaels goes over so there is that thing of going yeah we could do it the day after but that's no good for us yeah you know and, and to have him go, but I won't lose in Canada. Good for you. Good for you. But that's no good for us. Yes, exactly. So one of the, the, the they have this, this Vincent McMahon comes into the dressing room. Uh, Bret Hart ends up punching him. Uh, he gives him a, a black eye. I think as, as they, they have a little tussle between the Bulldog and Shane McMahon and Gerald Briscoe and Jim Neidhart. And some point in that, I think Gerald Briscoe picks up Vince McMahon from the floor and accidentally treads on his ankle, breaks his ankle, and then Vince McMahon falls over and hits his head and gets a concussion. So they, 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 it's a bit of a sort of comedy of errors. Well, he's definitely um, um, stumbling as he uh, walks out of the, um, the thing in the, in the documentary. He is. And the last thing that Bret Hart says to him <laughs> is, are you going to screw me over my pay as well? And Vince McMahon says no. Uh, and off he goes. And, and that is the Montreal Screwjob. Now, mm. Uh, you know, I, I, I lean to say I think it's true because I don't think there's ever been a, as good an actor who could keep it going for 25 years mm. like Bret Hart has. And, you know, they, they, they mended the bridges and it took a long time. It took Bret Hart having a stroke and Vincent Man calling him and they did a, a DVD. I think Bret Hart came to the realisation that so much of his history was in the WWE that he needed to be celebrated in the way and, that he felt he should. He and, had he to loved be good, and, and he loved wrestling. He, he wasn't did. like a guy who didn't... He was part of a big wrestling family or he certainly... I don't know. He, he liked the idea of good versus bad. He liked his character. He liked yeah. his clear character. He liked being a hero to the kids and all that stuff. And, that, and that's did. the thing that I sort of noticed from sort of growing up. I never really sort of saw him as being this kind of like amazing baby face. I never saw him as being a massively good guy. But watching wrestling with shadows, like, seemed to mean a lot to him being a good guy. He also he came from a wrestling family. Yes, you know this. This is the th- and and he's working with Shawn Michaels. There's a bit where Shawn Michaels, right at the start of this, in a little raw thing, Shawn Michaels says, "I do this because I love." It. Mm. He said, but you, Mark Man, you do it because you, you, you know, you, you feel you own it. Yeah. And there was this sense of Bret Hart did think he was royalty. And when he said, I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, he believed that. Mm. And what he was watching is, is someone who is, is saying, 
you've let wrestling take you over. You've forgotten that this isn't real. Yeah. And that's what Vince McMahon is saying. Now, Vince McMahon, when he said Brett screwed Brett, what he was saying the day after on Raw was he was saying, you didn't do what was good for business. Mm. And because you forgot what this business is about, you screwed yourself. Yeah. The reality is... The character Brett screwed the... Um, the real person, guy the real Brett. Brett. Or the real guy Brett screwed the real guy Brett. But yeah. he'd forgotten what wrestling was. Now... I think there's something awful when you say about Bret Hart, you go, in some way you've forgotten what the business is about. He's For 14 years, <laughs> he, has, he has been at the top of the business. He's been there in good times and bad. He was phenomenal. He was always such a good wrestler. Mm. You look at the people nowadays who Ted DiBiase said he was his favourite you know, opponent of all time. Kurt Hennig said his best match is SummerSlam 91 against Bret Hart. All of the modern stars are, you know, Bret Hart is the greatest. Even, um, what's his name, um, Ricky Hitman Hatton. Mm. I took that from Bret Hart because he was a huge Bret Hart fan. He was an icon. And the problem is, I think, you know, icons get old. Yeah. And Vincent Mann looked at that and he said, we're going in a different direction. And Bret Hart just wasn't ready for it. And he probably never would have been ready for it. You see him with his dad. And you look at his dad and his dad at 85 taking those blokes down into a dungeon <laughs> and just stretching them until they scream and taking yeah. great pleasure in being really, really horrible. I'm not going to call him an abusive dad, but he was certainly... He was a little bit like wrestling's Joseph Fritzl, isn't he, when you see that video? <laughs> a little. He's got a dungeon under his house <sighs> where the screams come through the pipes. I'm going to make you... I've got bloodshed. You just push on the uh, push on this army and... But and I think make the... Bret Hart would have been 85 and he'd have still been doing this. Mm. And the problem is... You know, that's not how everybody else saw the business going. Yeah. I, I mean, just what a... I mean, it is just the most exciting thing in wrestling. It really is, because it's just... There's something about it that you just get the feeling you'll never quite know. And it's like it's like Jack the Ripper, right? Jack the Ripper, horrible, tawdry business, like wrestling. <laughs> there's a man why, who why treats women a, badly, like not, all wrestlers. Why not bring up a gym <laughs> as well? Yeah. We had a bit of that last episode. Yeah, but, but the, the thing about <laughs> it is, I think I love it so much because I don't think you'll ever fully know. And even if everyone has told the true story of it, there's so much of it that you go, I'm not sure we're quite at the bottom of this yet. Mm. And let's just say, let's be very proud, because the two of us have added absolutely nothing new to this discussion. <laughs> this is very much not the serial of the... Um, yeah. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not, un, you're not turning up stones or anything. No. Turning over stones. No. Sorry, I, um, at this point. I, I just, I mean, Bret Hart is, is, he's still around. He's actually, he had bad health where he had strokes and he had mm. uh, prostate cancer, but all of those things are, are fine. He is now like an elder statesman going around, and it's absolutely the position he should have been in. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's great to see he's out there. I had a look. Um, his his son, um, Blade features very heavily in Wrestling yes. the Shadows. You see him a lot in there. Yeah. So I had a quick look to see what he's up to now. And it's it's hard to tell. He's done 10 tweets since 2011. <laughs> I think he might be an artist of sort of... I'm not sure. Okay. But in his last tweet, and he, and this the, there's basically one a year they appear. <laughs> right. And his last tweet, he was suggested to Elon Musk and Boston Dynamics, y'all should fire up some firefighter robots that can parachute into the middle of a forest fire to give the trees and stuff a little drink from the inside. So, that's what he's up to. It's um, not a bad idea, Mark. And the other the other child, who's the young one, Dallas Hart, who is also a son, uh, his last two tweets were about illegal weed. And <laughs> there was a meme of a young boy sort of giving side-eye that read, so you're telling me you listen to scientists when they say there's global warming, but you won't listen to scientists when they say there's only two genders. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm really disappointed with both of them, to be brutally frank. I think they need a little bit more uh, daddy heart in their life, too. Stuart. Yeah, absolutely. That, that whole documentary. I mean, there's two moments that I really love. A, uh, British Bulldog wearing little spectacles. Which All is the time. And, and they are proper good early 90s. <laughs> Big circular Great ones. Love ones. it. Uh, and uh, Nidart and Hart working out their little promos before they uh, go on. And they've got an so agreement sweet. to say one thing. And, like, Nidart really laughs because it sounds like he says... <laughs> he wants to say, we're going to get hung... Like, Hart wants to say, and leave no man untested. Yeah. And... And but Nidart wants to start it with we're gonna get hungry. So Nidart was gonna go we're gonna get hungry and leave no man untested, making it sound like he's gonna suck off every man. <laughs> stone cold suck. <laughs> Give him the stone cold suck. <laughs> oh, it really is wonderful. And when they get on, uh, Nidart just does something completely different. He it's does. wonderful. I oh. like the fact they work on this for so long. When it comes out, it doesn't quite make sense. No. So he says we're gonna get hungry and forget our manners. Yes. And it's uh, they're really pleased with that. And I sort of go, oh, it's still not quite there. It's not there, is you, it? No. Do you know what you've done? You've been thinking about this too long, and you've lost the thread. <laughs> you've got hungry. That made sense. You've re- you realise you needed a carb load. <laughs> <laughs> this has turned into a disaster, Jim. Oh. You need to start it again. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a great it's a great doco. It really. Yes, it's worth watching. It is good. Um, uh, wrestling with Shadows. It's also known as Hitman Heart Wrestling with Shadows. Right. Really, really. I mean, I mean, see it because it is. It's a thing of beauty. It's. Mm. It's. It also. I mean, it, that Stu Hart bit is astonishing. When Bret Hart's talking about being a young guy and Stu is just stretching him, and he'd sit there going, "This is going to be your last breath." Yeah. And Bret's going on numerous occasions. I was thinking, well, this is it. This is the last breath. Stu talking about how he can make someone's eyes bloodshot for six weeks. I mean. If you weren't a wrestler and you were just a man who owned a carpet warehouse, <laughs> and you were doing, you'd, you'd be in prison. You'd, you'd, you'd be in never prison. have left prison. That's the thing, though, isn't it? Like ugh, to look up to that. <laughs> Man. I was looking at that oh, house. They, they have a bit where they play a, a recording of Stu stretching a kid yeah. that Owen Hart had recorded because the guy was really screaming. Mm. And his daughters, you see a little sort of bit about how flinty they are as a family. Yeah. Where Diana Hart, who's married to British Bulldog at the time, she just says, Owen went down there and recorded him because the guy was so pathetic. <laughs> and it's just a man screaming, going, please, Stop. please. Ah. And I was watching that at home, and they were just going round the empty house with yeah. this noise playing. And it came back, and Liz, Liz, my wife, looked at me, and she was just like, what is this? Are you watching, like, some kind of true ordered, crime I've documentary? I've off the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> it's a man screaming They're in They're killing a, a man in the cellar. And then downstairs in, the, in uh, Brett Hitman Hart's cellar, he's got a plastic... <laughs> <laughs> Halloween decoration. Oh. Um, it's a, a topless man getting electrocuted in, in a chair. It's life-size. Yeah. And it, it's basically on a pivot, so it looks like he's just screaming and mm. writhing in pain. Mm. And uh, people are going, people might think it's weird that I got this in my, in my, in my, in my basement. It's a bit weird. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it is. There's a yeah, bit where they actually, is. they show him in his house and he's got a <laughs> low sort of room on a basement level, like near a, a gym that he's obviously mm. got in his basement. And he's got a full-sized WWF ring. And after this has all gone down, they just have him lying in the middle of it. And he's just lying in the middle. And it looks so peaceful. Yeah. And I was thinking, I can't think of anything, anything I'd be more happy with than if I had a basement and you could go down to it and there was a full-sized ring and just sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Not even, not even bounce off the ropes or even test it. Just can't. Is, nice. Is that that guy who's always asking about what kind of bed you have? 
Yeah, that's him. Hey, what kind of bed have you got? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I've got? <laughs> <laughs> it's that, um, who's uh, Milhouse's dad? Is it? I sleep in a race car. I sleep in a, in a bed with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Oh, wow. That, I've enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, do you know what? I, this is an exciting period in wrestling. Mm. And, and honestly, I'd, I'd actually forgotten how good this event was. Yeah. It's really good. Honestly, I'd say, I know you, a lot of people are like, oh, but we like the WrestleMania thing. We get to hear more stuff I would say just go and have a watch of this one yeah. Survivor Series 97 is really really not even from the historical context it's just it feels fucking like a riot mm. oh it's exciting watch it oh, watch it so good and if there's no, there's no better advert I always say it, there's no better advert for the WWE Network than Wrestle Me that's all I'm saying right? <laughs> so please don't sue us um, <laughs> we'll be back next time with we more we're wrestling gonna be, stuff we're going to be on Wrestlemania 14 ooh la la back to the Wrestlemania very you much um, our wheelhouse but yeah I, do you know ways. what I, I think it would have been impossible to oh, talk hugely. about the next few Wrestlemanias <laughs> without Brett knowing this. <laughs> <laughs> why, why does everyone look paranoid and, you know, oh, why is everyone cross? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we'll be back next week with more WrestleMania and uh, Wrestle Me Mark. No, Pete, Wrestle Me. Oh, not I've in the basement. <laughs> going to make, make your eyes bloodshot. For, 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 he's going for three days. I thought he was going to say for three days. He went, for, for five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wrestle me, Stu Hart. <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.